0: man how are you doing
1: still turning my do not disturb sign on this
0: oh yeah nice i will too uh, I'm out of, thanks for i'm out of
1: practice
0: <laughs> right? well uh we've got a great um ah, it's great to be back um last few weeks i've been gone and there's been some fun conversations happening at the round table which is is the goal uh it's fun to get in on those and and listening to the gals last week uh, Rebecca, Kelsey, and teresa they did a great job. Um, and it was fun here in Austin, interview you as well. That was a blast. He adores you, and and it was fun just to be. Uh, it kind of took me back, Jeff, to being a 21-year-old. Yeah, uh, being discipled by you and and <laughs> those offices on Sixth Street over names, all that. So, uh, um, but,
1: but that yeah. that was a blast, and then within like two days i'm standing in front of him marrying he and ellie yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's that's just kind of fun to have so much i don't know being on this staff team and having so much life connection you know what i mean right. outside of just um vocationally or whatever you know yeah but there's a a personal dynamic to it that's right yeah it's just a blast so yeah yeah
0: cool. um Man, today, what we're going to be talking about, Jeff, I was thinking about what we need right now. Um, the, I, I, was, I was thinking about this in Ephesians 4. You know where Paul is, uh, he's talking about the church and he says, you know, it was he who gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. So, so he's given these people to the church, people like us as pastors, you know, he's given these people to the church. To equip the saints for works of service, so the body of Christ will be built up. And he says, and then we will no longer be blown here and there by every wind of teaching. Mm. Doesn't it feel like there's so many winds of teaching blowing?
1: Well, that, and I find myself, uh, you know, cringing, kind of holding my breath as, as you're quoting that passage because the responsibility laid on us. By God, you know, to be leaders, to yeah. when those winds are blowing, you know what I mean. To yeah. and you feel it, right? You feel people yeah. looking to you and coming to you, and so yeah, I both take that seriously and then cringe mm-hmm. in times like this because yeah. it doesn't matter how old you are or how long you've been in ministry; these are brand new winds blowing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so yeah for sure
0: it's it's cool because he says he says in there too that it's the winds come by the cunning and craftiness Mm. of people in their deceitful scheming like Mm. everyone has an agenda everyone's Mm. got their narrative he says instead speaking the truth in Mm. love we will in all things uh, build each other up in love and, and grow into him who is the head that is christ I was just thinking today, you know, what we need is um, we don't need more experts on like, we're not going to try to be experts on COVID or Black Lives Matter or whatever other hot topics are out there. I feel like what I need is I need to be pastored personally and I need God's word. And so I'm, I'm kind of today I'm looking to you. I'm looking at God's word and I'm thinking about the people of Veritas and other people who might be listening and just thinking, what is the need of the hour for God's church? And I just think, let's, let's have a, a, the next, however many minutes we we end up talking, just letting the word of Christ Mm. dwell in us richly and in our, you know, and as pastors, we feel that calling to speak the truth in love. We feel, i's looking at John 21, Jesus saying to Peter, feed my lambs, mm. feed my lambs, feed my sheep. So that's, yes. that's what I want to do.
1: Well, I think you're, you know, those, the chilling parts of that Ephesians 4 passage is that human cunning and cleverness. I mean, mm. I feel that. I feel like I'm often naive. You know, I feel like I'm often duped or... Because those those thoughts or or those worldviews or whatever coming at us are enticing, and they're not easily detected. You know what I mean? it's if if this stuff came wrapped in just pure evil, if if we could just see the devil in his pitchfork walking up to Spirititas Church, you know, that'd be way we'd know what to do with that, you know? But a lot of this stuff is is coming with such cunning and cleverness that. I'm with you. I just need my Bible. I just need solid, pure milk yeah. of the word in these times. You know what I mean? Because it's just Man. confusion, confusion amen. coming my way. So amen
0: Dude, here's what I want to do, Jeff, is just bring up some some kind of issues that are that we all might be facing and just ask, how does God's word speak to it? And mm. sometimes I'll I'll bring up scripture and just read it and kind of let you riff on it. Or if there's scripture that comes to your mind, um, you know, kind of let you think about it. Um, I guess the first the first scripture I want to read is uh, 1 Thessalonians 5. We were talking about this in our men's group. Um, our, our men's group leader, uh, Joe Yokum was just saying, man, guys, how are you doing with joy? And mm-hmm. I was thinking, man, that, not great. And this was the scripture that, that <laughs> came to mind um where he says in first thessalonians 5:16 rejoice always pray constantly give thanks in everything mm. this is god's will for you in christ jesus i mm-hmm. just imagine that if this was first americans you know 5:16 <laughs> and yeah. paul saying that to us rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks and everything for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. How do you hear that?
1: Oh, so, man. Bless right now. Well, I immediately, I mean, this is low-hanging fruit. This is this is nothing profound, but I immediately go to Philippians 1, you know, where Paul, you know, we know that context that he is in prison at the time of, of writing that. I mean, he refers to his own imprisonment while he's even writing. And yet that that opening line, I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you, always praying with joy for all of you in my every prayer because of your partnership in the gospel. You know, but just um, you know, often when when people just reflect on Philippians, that word joy, you know, is a is a pronounced theme and and you're like probably of any of his letters, that would be one where you would give him a, a pass of being a little downhearted, you know, a little less than joyful. And yet that's the one that seems to carry a yeah. joy through it all. So I guess it tells you that it is um, a miracle. Like it's a supernatural act when, when we tap into joy in dire circumstances, you know what I mean? Um, so it, and we then, just have to tap into supernaturalness at this point
0: yeah and the news doesn't make money on joy you know yeah. no they they you know there there's just reading through the headlines this morning i'm like every single one is trying to get me to be outraged it's it's stealing my joy it's Order. the opposite of joy and i think about man what jesus says don't lose your saltiness. If, if, and so I think of joy as being something that should set us apart Man. right now. Uh, but it's, it's hard to be. It is joyful.
1: joy. And, and, you know, as a cousin virtue to joy, hope, you know, you, you I see the hopelessness of a world that's kind of being battered around right now and, and a lot of insecurities. I that I get. What's hard for me is when I run into believers who have a pronounced hopelessness, a direness, a a real sense of um man, nothing but darkness and foreboding on, on the horizon for them. And I, I just mm-hmm. think, boy, church we have to stir up hope and joy, not a glib, like not, not a pretend glossing over of the reality of our world, but through it all. I mean, Jesus Christ himself, who, with the, with the joy set before him endured the cross, right? I mean, joy that is able to stare at the the future reality of, of his life, facing a cross. He knows what's about to come his way. But could peer through that to the joy on the other side of that. And that's what carried him through. And so, so I'm not saying that the Bible would ever cause us to have kind of blind faith or some ostrich with the head in the sand kind of reality. No, we acknowledge the same reality that everybody else is seeing, but something on the horizon of hope and joy pulls us through that in a remarkable way. So when you just see Christians just kind of caving and and like loosening their grip on any kind of, or, or maybe their sight line on any kind of joy or hope. Yeah. Um, that's, that's kind of on us then as leaders, you know, to like, yeah, speak that back into them, you know,
0: what does this phrase mean? Because um, I heard, I heard a, you know, I've heard this phrase thrown out. What does it mean to be a prisoner of hope?
1: Mm. Mm. You know, what do you
0: think people mean when they say that?
1: Wow. I don't know who said it, but I like it. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? I, if if I'm, I mean, without the context of who said it, but that prisoner of hope, I wonder if like you can't escape it kind of a thing. You know, you think of a prisoner, like it, you're, you're locked in, you can't escape. Um, that there's something about hope that you can't maybe wrestle it out of me. You can't, and you see that, right? And some of the most... Profound, either martyrs or, uh, you know, those that were really facing the ultimate, uh, just losing their lives, and yet their opposition could not wrestle hope out. They're still speaking hope and joy even of those last moments. I wonder if
0: I was thinking about this. This little uh, boy, Romans twelve twelve. This is a, this is a great one to remember. 1212 rejoice in hope Mm. be patient in affliction be persistent in prayer
1: Mm. wow and if you keep going there mark i love that um you know share with the saints in their need pursue hospitality but then bless those who persecute you Bless and do not curse. Wow! I mean, I just, and then the very next verse, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who re-. So I just think, man, Christians to, to force ourselves to pull on that discipline given to us there in Romans of I'm going to choose to bless someone today, even someone who um, isn't looking for my blessing, you know, is is maybe even on the attack. But just that impulse—that man, I'm just going to choose to bless even those who would be persecuting me right now, or who would be—even if it's not me specifically—they're persecuting kind of my worldview or my people or us in a culture—to choose to bless and find something in their words or their character to honor and bless. What a what a countercultural, but yeah. radically Christian thing. Yep. To do right now. You know, I, Teresa will tell me, I, it's probably again, a, a good thing that I'm not on, on Facebook every now and then I surrogately, you know, get in on Facebook because Teresa will tell me, but a, a mutual friend of ours that just piled on one of the more recent political things and just, you know,
0: yeah.
1: and it's just hard because when I think of that person, I think of them as this Joyful, I remember, you know, first knowing them, and just to see attack mode, you know, from Christians instead of Romans twelve, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm just saying, I and mean, you know,
1: urge so let's grab this.
0: This, yeah, and even what you just read, in, and, and when you think about God's wisdom as a Christian in navigating, uh, something like black lives matter.
1: Mm-hmm. Right.
0: I could have, I would apply this to where it says weep with those who weep. Right. Um, that's right. something that has been helpful for me in the gut punch of some of the news cycles and just being able to text my yeah. black and brown brothers and sisters and just, Saying, "Hey, I, I feel like we're a body, and I'm yeah. weeping along with you over, you know, what's the role in? How, yeah. how do you see this verse? Maybe
1: that that and commending the virtues when we see them. You know, both both. I mean, we rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who. You know, like we're we're doing both because you know, for instance, um, I was talking to my my 94 year old mother. You know." She might be listening right now. Hi, mom. Um, but when, uh, I called her to see how she was doing and she told me about the incident in, in, in Chuck town, you know, Charles city, I say called it Chuck town everybody up there does. Um, and this, you know, black baseball player, high schooler that got the most. Wow. Violent racial slurs thrown at him on the baseball field from some dude up in the crowd, you know, anyway went so shocking you know like well i guess it, yes it is shocking i i i hate that and and especially when it's done in such a I, seemingly unlikely place all that to say so then i finally went on and found the news story and then uh found out that the umpire after this thing said to him hey should we call the game for a bit or give, give you a chance to kind of collect yourself or whatever and he was like no nah. Because I don't want to let my teammates down. So just got in the batter's box. And, you know, and just I what I'm saying is I want there's the dark side of the right, that terrible side of the news. Yeah. Some some dude just recklessly giving in to his evil impulses. But uh, in the midst of that is this just heroic. I don't know this kid at all, but what a noble response, you know, in that moment. And so both weeping along with my African-American friends of those incidents and then rejoicing when you find a moment of heroism in there to say wow that's an example to follow let's let's also look for the good in there and lift up those who are really responding well responding rightly you know and and championing that as well you know
0: yep man good word. I one of the things that I think about Jeff that you've this has been a mantra for you uh, that that in my ears and I'll tell the story I mean I at one point you know I think Paul and I have gotten in trouble over the years <laughs> for causing trouble during staff meetings and and I think after one of the meetings you know you you pulled Paul aside and took him to first Kings three I think it's first Kings three where where Solomon asked for wisdom and you, I wonder if you could just riff on that on, because that's where wisdom and listening kind of converge in that idea. So I wonder if you could explain that passage and then yeah. kind of, and then talking about applying it to this cultural moment. Uh,
1: yeah. Okay. First, just, just for the chuckle of it, I still remember cause I took Paul to the parking lot by Ryman garden there by, by Jack Trice stadium. And, uh, we got some sandwiches or something so he's he's unwrapping his sandwich and then i i start you know unpacking frisky food. and i can still picture this he's got like this bite in his mouth and slowly he just kind of puts his sandwich down just... <laughs> in pure paul you know pure paul just taking it, it anyway so the the context, the passage that that we talked through that day was just here was here was Solomon about to take the monarchy. And it just seemed so overwhelming to him in his youthfulness. And, uh, you know, God was willing to kind of give him a coronation gift of anything that he wanted. and and Solomon, his only request back to God was, give your servant a, a discerning heart. Some of the translations have a discerning heart, an understanding heart, a listening heart. It comes from that word Shema, which we know most carefully from Deuteronomy 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is Hearing, you know. And so basically what he's asking for is a listening heart. You know, you, we get discernment and we get wisdom and all those other uh, synonyms that are thrown in there in that translation, But at its foundation is, help me to be a listener. I want to listen. And primarily to God, right? But also to others. And the reason we know that is in that context, the very first kind of royal duty that he has is these two prostitutes that are brought before him, right? And there's one dead baby, one live baby. And how's he going to adjudicate this thing? And uh, he ends up asking a question and listening carefully to even these two I mean, even back in that day, they would have been probably lying, trying to get away with something, prostitutes. But by asking a good question and listening to the response, he's able to discern, you know, listen and discern what's right and true. So that becomes the theme of the book of Proverbs. One of the major themes is listening, you know, listen, my son, to your father's instruction, listen mm-hmm. to uh, counsel when making decisions. So back in the day by Ryman Garden with Paul, I was like, Paul, you know, if if you're just looking for those moments either to interject something into the conversation or have something funny to tell your neighbor or whatever, you're 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 gonna be a fool. You're gonna be the proverbs fool. You will never actually gain understanding and wisdom because all all you're concerned about is what you're saying and you're not actually mm-hmm. leaning in when others are listening. You know what I mean? And so that that became the heavy moment. But as as we both know, uh he took that soda heart and has Absolutely. become an exemplary.
0: and my disciple. job, my job over the years has tried to to be to undo that <laughs> rebuke because Paul is one of the wittiest, funniest guys oh. you can ever meet, and I'm the one next to him egging him on. so
1: so well, when I'm not leading the meeting, I want to be yeah, sitting. I, here know.
0: I know funny. <laughs>
1: Oh man. Oh. But I mean, but I think the yeah. challenge though, in all that is, you know, like, like you and I've talked about in this day, there's even a cultural impulse to, Hey, listen, go, go mm-hmm. find an African-American and listen to yeah. their stories and all that. And absolutely spot on for me. I've also had to say, I've been needing to listen to people kind of on the edges of often, um, these, um, uh, these issues that seem to be very polarizing so when i say two sides and i'm talking about what wearing masks or not you know for covid or whatever like all these issues that we're facing that seem to have these very strong opinions in a binary way that's either this or that i find myself um it's easier to go out and listen to people on one of those sides of all these issues. And I've been trying to force myself to actually think, mm, I I actually need to go to the opposite of where my mind naturally wants to go. It's easier to sympathize over this way. I become pretty intolerant and think they're a bunch of idiots on that other side. Yeah. Until I go and actually sit down and I'm like, man, I still end up probably disagreeing. Yeah. you're not an idiot as it turns out there are some good reasons and so anyway one of the
0: things that happened jeff one of my experiences and and uh early on i you know probably a month ago after george floyd thing and we you know the the first week we we didn't say anything it had just happened and we felt like we weren't prepared kind of circle back and and said something the next week felt like we should um but I, you know, you get emails uh, after, after this on either side and one email is uh, from someone in our church is like, you didn't say enough, you needed to go further in calling this out. And the next email in the inbox was from someone that's like, you said too much. And this is, you know, and the thing that I got out of that with going back to the, the first Kings, the idea of wisdom as listening is both of those conversations face to face were amazing and both of them oh life-giving and ended with because if you're truly going into a, a conversation with someone with the agenda of listening not like i'm going to correct them in this way but you have to listen to and understand what they're saying um, not just what you think they're saying, but but even just like, am I understanding you correctly in this? Like, so this is what you believe. This is, okay. And and if you, you know, both of those conversations ended with repentance. Pre- I mean, just a humility in all of us and an and action in ways that were so beautiful on both sides of that. And so I just...
1: In, in the sure. perfect sense of of the word repentance, a changing of the mind, right? I mean,
0: yeah.
1: right, every when you really listen, that's what happens. Repentance. Sometimes it's I did evil. I need to reject that. But sometimes it's actually just the change of mind, right? You you come in and your mind is actually transformed, you know, and renewed. Yeah. And there is a repentance in that. Man, I've thought wrong thoughts. I've got to yeah. thank God. Absolutely.
0: Thought that's, I think, I think if we, if we did that, um, man, that would, that should characterize us as Christians. It doesn't always, you know, we want to join the instant outrage of the moment, but, um, and listening it, I don't know, how would you respond to this? Cause it feels kind of like you're compromising, waffling, Mm -hmm. being morally ambiguous. How would you respond to that? Like, ah, that f- listening, that feels so uh,
1: yeah. weak. Weak. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but here's the thing. You listen with a view to act, right? I mean, the reason that Solomon became a great king, now he had his issues, right? Especially later in life. But I'm saying the reason that that he's commended on the front end and, got, and God so favors him on the front end is because he listened. And that actually looked like something in his kingdom, like that justice kind of flowed out then from from his kingdom. So, so we listen, then with a view to act, it's, it's ridiculous, we're just going through a charade, if we listen, and then carry on as if nobody ever spoke into our ears, right. And so, and I think that's what people are looking for as well. Like, Okay, you're, you say, are you just patronizing me? Are we just sitting down and having this conversation because you feel duty bound to listen to a black guy? Right. Or are you actually listening with a view to change and speak differently and act differently? Um, and so, I mean, even tonight, I mean, right, we're in real time, we're we're trying to decide how to move forward with do, what kind of services do we have for, on our Sunday mornings? and salt company and when we hit the fall and so pulling together people who think differently medical professionals and and other leaders too um well what they want to know is that we're not just like yawning along and going through this act of hearing from they want to know that we're actually going to sift through their combined ideas and do something as a result you know what i mean so that i think that's not listening as an end in and of itself but as a means to being an activist you know
0: right right that's good um, one other another topic that I think is is a way that we we need God's word to guide us is I just see a lot of uh, anger you know people people respond uh, uh, I heard a counselor say this uh, to someone recently that that people respond to these moments with one of usually with one of two emotions either anger or anxiety. Huh. You either just get outraged and right. mad or you get fearful and anxious. Um, how does God's word guide us through those?
1: Yeah. And the- I, man, part of it is just hearing God's word, right? I mean, in times like this, uh, to wake up in the morning and grab your phone right off. I mean, I know this is an old riff that we've been hearing a lot lately, but it bears repeating that you know Andy Crouch, I think for me at least, was the first one to really point this out. Like when we have our phones as our alarm clocks, then our impulse becomes first thing in the morning we grab that phone to turn off the alarm. Oh, let's see what the news feed is, and to instead choose to order our life, even in the timing in the of the way that we hear voices come to us make the first voice of the day be God's voice to, to let him be the, the pace setter for how our minds are growing. You know what I mean? And uh, and if that requires even finding a docking station for your phone somewhere else in the house and having a good old fashioned alarm clock, so you're not even tempted to grab that. But as as I thought about that, I, I immediately, I went to Psalm 46, just these kind of rock solid truths. God is our refuge and strength, a helper who is always found in times of trouble. Therefore, we will not be afraid, though the earth trembles, the mountains topple into the depths of the seas, though its water roars and foams and the mountains quake with with its turmoil. Just having this moment where God's voice is able to say, calm down. I'm not taking you out of this situation right yet. But even while the, you know, earth is trembling and while the ocean is foaming, you know, I'm still on that sea. I'm still, you know, I'm not at the harbor yet. I'm not safe yet. But the voice of God coming to me saying, no, yeah. let me be your strength in the midst of this. Let me be be your stability yeah. when all things seem to be in flux. I just feel like we we have this rich anchor for our souls in in God's voice coming to us through the word. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, we can tack that on once we've already got our mind worrying in other ways or neglect it altogether. And I think, yeah. man, Psalm 46 at least would indicate to me that it's I need that refuge and strength especially in times of trouble. That's what he says, right? Our helper in times of trouble, like, yeah, that's not the time to neglect him. That's the time to run and flee to him. I even said to a guy last night, who's really um, not in a place of faith right now, but I was like, Hey dude, when I don't ever apologize for people who talk about Jesus being a crutch, Jesus being a, a, you know, a safety when life's, I'm like, Oh, absolutely. That's what he is. <laughs> it, but it's not unreasonable. If you're saying that's an unreasonable thing to have God to cling to in times of trouble, I'm saying, oh, no, that's the most reasonable yes. thing in the world. And I don't apologize for a moment.
0: Uh, totally.
1: <laughs> that's me claiming and owning my weakness and realizing there's there's somebody who is actually a place of help in times of trouble. You know.
0: I, w- I was thinking about the idea of when when I get angry or anxious, it has to do with control.
1: Mm. Like,
0: there's something that I can't control. Wow. And it might be this other person with this wrong opinion that's coming at me strong on social yeah. media or whatever. And, and you feel it, it, it draws something out of you. Like I, um, and, and right now there's so much that feels out of your control, like. Man. And so, and so I think that the emotion of, of anger or anxiety related to everything's out of control, I think one of the uh, kind of the anecdotes for that in my mind is like Psalm 130. That's a verse that I read this morning. Psalm 130 verse 5 says, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. Mm. And in his word, I put my hope
1: that's so the idea
0: good. of and, and Doug Boatman and our, uh, my old guys group this morning brought up this idea of waiting and I was like man that's an interesting uh, way to conquer anger or anxiety is to get good at waiting on God because mm. like I'm not in charge of my relationship with God mm. like he He's not like uh like remember Shamu, the big whale, the killer whale that like you give him a fish and they do a trick, you know, like I hand God this little fish and he, yeah. he does the trick, you know, and and like I I'm not his trainer, like he's I'm in relationship with him, and when I wait on him, I'm I have this posture of like, okay, God, on your time, in mm-hmm. your way, in it's almost like the opposite of control is mm. for me that sense of waiting on God. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, Oh,
1: that's so good. You know, it's funny. I, so before we went live, we were talking about Hamilton, you know, cause Disney plus has Hamilton on it. And, and I I'm, yeah, I'm a big fan of that, that work of art, but um, I think, i think it was michelle obama that said about hamilton that it might be the finest work of art that this generation has has created um, at this point you know so anyway I, I actually would commit but i'm I'm simultaneously reading this biography of george washington and so that that's actually what i'm mostly thinking about because he um though an imperfect leader and you read any biography about any of our founding fathers or any other heroes you're going to see their imperfections as well and he certainly had them. But one of the things I do think he really perfected was that waiting thing. You know, some of his most daring, heroic um, moments that actually affected the entire war were the times that he chose to back off from a conflict, the times that he would move an entire army away and in the night and in, uh-huh. in very cunning ways, because he would he had this unbelievable patience. And even when there were either um, uh, political leaders or even subordinates that would be speaking against him, he just wouldn't allow himself to get preoccupied with with shouting them down or exposing them. He just kept his focus on what he was there to do and his important job. So that idea of just waiting, I mean, it, I'm just being overwhelmed with this guy, the level of self-control. My, my men's group this morning, we talk about the Holy Spirit's uh, fruit of self-control, how important it is in these moments. Like if if Christians owned one of the fruit of the Spirit right now in an exemplary way, it, that it would be self-control, right? Just to
0: wow.
1: have that deep breath and to, and to move in control and in a spirit-led kind of way. And I just feel like for me right now, I'm, I'm seeing George Washington just heroically. That's what I feel like we need right now are more leaders, who are truly political in the sense that they've got the long game in mind and they're willing to listen and hear and be deliberate about every word that comes out of their mouth, every pe- word that they pen. Um, and, and yeah, wait. It's when you Not you're, being uh,
0: <laughs> Yeah, oh yeah, you, you, that epitomizes to me the quote or the saying, discretion is the better part of valor.
1: Man. Yes, I wonder if that was even said in relation to George Washington. Yeah.
0: yeah, what does that mean? What does that statement mean? Discretion is the better part of valor.
1: Yeah, because if you're impulsive, right? If if you lack self control, if you're that whether you're going to Proverbs or the New Testament, uh, fool who what the fool does is gives full vent to everything that comes to the top of his or her mouth, act in ways that they just instinctually want to act. And uh, discretion just says, wait, there are times to act. I mean, hey, even George Orson, there were a couple of times, especially with his second in command, General Lee, where finally, General Lee, his true colors came out and he cussed him out. And, you know, the people around like, uh, um, uh, oh, what's his name? The the French guy. Oh, my word. Lafayette. Lafayette was standing right there and had never heard a cuss word coming out of George Washington's. In fact, he wouldn't allow his officers to cuss. Yeah. As soon as he saw this guy, you know, ruining this whole battle, just came unglued. And just, you know. So what I'm saying is, but it really was effective in that moment. Yeah. <laughs> so what discretion just says discretion just says, it you're not a milk toast, you're you're not a a weak person that doesn't know how to express anger at the right time or how to express outrage at the right time. But you're discreet. You just, you know, you don't give full vent to actions or words all the time, you know.
0: When we were hanging out with Alex and Anastasia Tuckness, uh, they came and visited from Ames. One of the things I think Anastasia remembers you saying from the pulpit often that really has freed her was, you don't have to respond to everything you don't have to correct every wrong thought that people have and express what what do you mean by that
1: yeah i mean it's, it's just that patience it's it's the patience of of jesus embodying it but you know all the way back to psalm 103 that you know god doesn't treat us as our sins deserve you know if we just landed on every indiscretion save our children i mean you've got younger kids right mm-hmm. if you just corrected every childish thing every foolish word every childish act what a what a dark way to parent and an oppressive spirit you know to put on your kids and so even that with with friends neighbors whatever to not feel like we have to pounce on Mm. every word, every even sin. Sometimes love covers a multitude of sins, right? It's not that we wink at sin. It's just that we recognize that we we, just being discriminated. Like I I just need to choose my battles and I've got to keep the marathon, the long game in mind. You know what I mean?
0: You're talking to someone in person and they're saying things that are clearly wrong or that you strongly disagree with you would say yeah don't don't try to correct them all the time
1: sometimes right I mean sometimes I mean it's just that's 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 what discernment gives you is that there are other times I'm telling you we were even um in in a social setting not long ago and uh something was said and even while I'm still trying to decide Teresa was sitting there my wife Teresa all of a sudden just said you know what I want to actually challenge that and in a really beautiful way, just in the moment, challenge, and it, and it broke open a great conversation. And, you know, we've all been in those moments, right? So, so yeah. discernment or discretion doesn't mean that you never speak in the moment. It doesn't, you know what I mean? Like, right. that's an overstatement. That's, that's uh, like an overcorrection. It yeah. just means that those are well-timed and, and important. And so we've all been in those moments where we should have actually said something in that moment. Yeah, but, yeah. Like back to that illustration at the baseball game up in Waverly, you know, waverly Shell Rock versus Charles City. Um, I wasn't there. I don't even have video footage or anything like this. But early on, when the first vile word came out of that dude's mouth, somebody in the crowd should have shut him up one way or another. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right. like that wasn't... Discernment to let yeah. evil fly, yeah. you know what I mean. For a victim to yeah. be right in front of you, right. so that's no. The you most know. important thing at that moment would be to stand up and and, yeah. and intercede. I,
0: I often think of the comments section of Facebook and you know Twitter, and I think that's where yeah, I that that a person's wisdom gives them patience, you know, and and the ability to. Uh, stay out of arguments that that uh you know avoiding quarrels and and you know i think of the uh the proverb that says like a man who grabs a stray dog by the ear yeah is some is some one who joins a quarrel that's not their own
1: not their own totally yeah. I've, I've started a few conversations even over the last few weeks with hey if I'm suddenly reaching across the fence line and grabbing, you know, my neighbor's dog by the ears, you can tell me right now, I want to talk. But if I'm meddling, you can say that and I'll back back off again. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think sometimes having hard conversations with that posture where you are been kind of asking permission, like, hey, if I'm trespassing right now, or if, I, if I'm going actually where I'm not welcome, yeah, say that now. But I'd really like to go to a scary place or a, a threatening kind of place with you, you know what I mean? But being able to kind of ask permission that way. And sometimes I'll use that proverb as a little bit of a comical way. you right. know. Hey, right. If I'm grabbing that dog, just let me know. I'll let go. You yeah. know, I don't want to get bit. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Jeff, I mean, we've, we've
0: talked about some incredible verses that can help guide us through this, this time as these winds are blowing, like, I just think about what I want for our church and for us. It's not about being right or having, I mean, we do need to be, we do need to believe truth and we need that. But I think about these things of waiting on God, being the kind of person who is patient, who's humble, who's a listener, who is joyful, who's hopeful, and I think about I want to become that kind of person. Totally. What's your advice on how? How do you? Yeah. Become that person.
1: I mean, I think the first thing is to recognize um, our weaknesses, our particular weaknesses. Because again, some of the people listening in, uh, maybe their problem is that they they're just weak. They don't ever speak up. They don't ever be aren't truth speakers at all because they don't ever challenge anybody else's thinking or whatever, you know? So for them to go to the word where you're, you're being forced to think so clearly that you can't help, but speak into untruths, speak into fallacies, yes. you know what I mean? So, and then on the other hand, those that, that are, are grabbing all sorts of, na- every neighbor's dog you know, has their fingerprints all over their ears, yeah. you know? Yeah. Those are the guys that that need to to back off and, and kind of, but I was actually just earlier, I don't know why this passage came to mind, but it, now I think maybe for this moment, I, Psalm 131, Lord, my heart is not proud. My eyes are not haughty. I do not get involved with things too great or too wondrous for me. Instead, I have calmed and quieted my soul like a wean child with its mother. My soul is like a wean child. There's a sense in which, that the reason I, I love that Psalm, is i think we have to embrace the fact that there are things not just god's ways and his infinite wisdom that we don't understand that's also true but there are things about covid (laughs) there are things about black lives matter there are things about all sorts of political issues and social issues and relational issues that they're over my pay grade i don't I don't know the right policy for that, or I don't know the right bridge to build in that way. And I'm just saying, having that posture of humility Mm. that we actually just say that both to the Lord, hey, my heart's not too proud. My eyes are not haughty to speak of things, but also to say that to each other, Mm. you know, how disarming that can be at times in the heat of an argument to be like, I just had to do this this last weekend a couple different times in the heat of a political argument exchange different things would come out of of my friend's mouth toward me and i'd have to say actually i don't even remember that happening so i can't really speak to that but man maybe we could get back to (laughs) like just instead what i want to do is counter every punch with a counter punch you know what i mean but instead to be like "Mm, actually i don't know do you feel like
0: that that frees me that song it me to not feel the need to have all the answers, man. It, it, you know, that whole, I do not get involved with things too great or too wondrous for me. Instead, I have calmed and quieted my soul. Isn't that beautiful? That's, Jeff, I just read that this morning and I was thinking about it. Oh, no, so I, no, I it's, it's in my journal. And, and I was tr- processing that Psalm and I, Um, Oh, that's
1: crazy! I had no idea.
0: Yeah, and I struggled the most with like a weaned child. What what what's that imagery though?
1: Well, I do think it's a dependent child. You know what I mean? A a a weaned child is one who has only known nutrition and sustenance from the mother. You know what I mean? And so there's this dependency. I mean, we those of us who have had little ones and and infants as they go through and are are then weaned that. I remember, especially when, when our kids were were still breastfeeding and looking at their eyes, just staring up at their mother. And even after they're full and burped in are they're, they're just staring up and up, just wonder and awe at this mother who is, you know what I mean? So it's, I, I do think it's that contented trust. I so trust that mother, she has fed me since before I could even have a memory I live in dependence and safety and security in my, you know, I think it's just that kind of a secure and cared for kind of place. I'm not just going to get frazzled and freaked out. I'm going to have a Hmm. a contented soul about me. You know what I mean? Wow, this is.
0: Jeff, I was looking it up in the message, uh, just to see oh, what, what Eugene had. Let me read it, I, I haven't read it yet. Uh, Psalm 131, it says, a pilgrim song. Uh, That's what we need right now as yeah, 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 For sure. God, I'm not trying to rule the roost. I don't want to be king of the mountain. I haven't meddled where I have no business or fantasized grandiose plans. I've kept my feet on the ground. I've cultivated a quiet heart. Like a baby content in its mother's arms, my soul is a baby content. Wait, Israel, for God. Wait with hope. Hope now, hope always.
1: That is, I can already feel the eye, or see the eyes rolling and a lot of our SALT staff who think that both you and I have kind of a bromance with Eugene Peterson in the message and they, they get so tired of hearing either one you know, I was reading that in the message, you know? yeah, well, <laughs> but that's, that's his, that's his sweet spot right there is taking the Psalms. He is such a Hebrew scholar and finding the, the, like the heart and the soul of a, of a Hebrew poem like that and conveying it in a way that's, uh, kind of yeah. modern to our ears or whatever. That's-
0: yeah Dude, he he puts it in English man I I just think uh what we need right now is is we need God's word to dwell in us mm-hmm. richly I was talking to a brother who's saying man I just I feel theologically ill-equipped for this moment yeah and I I you know like like I need to do more reading on all these books about these issues and I need to read more you know, scientific journals on this, you know, thing. And I'm just like, I, I don't know. The The Bible says that the scripture is is useful. It's God-breathed. It's it useful is. for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness so that this person of God, uh, the Christian, will be fully equipped for every good work. So God's word has given us all we need. It's sufficient for shaping sufficient.
1: I love that word sufficient there. Yeah. Yes. It's,
0: it's, uh, it, it, I mean, Psalm 19, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. And awesome. so I just hope for us that, you know, we, we may not get every um, political point perfect and get it fit perfectly into, you know, A a Christian worldview, but, but I think God's word is, is enough to help us know how we should carry ourselves.
1: Oh man. And, and especially, I mean, we want it for that comforting, um, building up moment, but also the corrective side of it, you know, so, so my mind immediately went to Hebrews four, the word of God is living and effective and sharper than any double-edged sword penetrating as far as the separation of soul and spirit joints and marrow. It's able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. I mean, that that phrase right there, like, um, what is my motive when I'm up in arms about this or that or whatever? I, I feel immediately justified. Otherwise, I wouldn't be feeling it. So I'm already self-righteous and all that. But it's only the Bible that can actually seem to like cut through yeah. and reveal to me yeah. my own, I've lied to myself and I don't realize it. But God's word is, is that mirror, you know? And then no creature is hidden from him, but all things are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. So, man, that's why as Christians, we need a constant uh, just diet of the Bible because we we just naturally get off and we're yeah. justifying yeah. every thought and word to our own selves. And God, I, I feel we're like, accountable to God, not ourselves, my own heart, you know.
0: I feel... I feel corrected and judged by God's word, in specifically through this whole thing through my self righteousness, oh. because I feel like, well, you just feel like you're right about everything. Yeah, and I, <laughs> I just think what these trials of you know the the racial tensions or the COVID has has drawn out of us as Americans is just self righteousness. I mean, oh. there is more judgmentalism. And intolerance, uh, as I've ever seen, and I think that God's word has this way of, of keeping me so humbled because oh, I, I realize, oh shoot, God has opinions that are different from mine. Yeah, I imagine that. <laughs> and and I'm oh. forced to, and and really, just self righteousness is probably the thing that I felt most corrected by and that i really long for that yeah just more of the humility and i think that's what the fruit of of hebrews 4 and god's word kind of judging my attitudes is my self-righteousness
1: totally and and again it's it's the most natural thing in the world we 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 just think we're right and and when we get into an echo chamber of other people who think just like us that just reinforces that and so I've got one guy lying to himself, me. I fill my little world with even using social media or whatever to just reinforce and form a little echo chamber to reinforce my lie, you know? Yeah. And then I open my Bible and suddenly all that gets shattered. You know what I mean? And I, I have to come face to face. Like he says, I'm exposed in that moment to the eyes of him to whom I must give an account. And, but it's, it is on the front end corrective and none of us like to be corrective, but it's so life-giving, right? Yeah. When I have the Bible change my mind about something, it is so freeing and so beautiful. Like yeah, I yeah. realize what a, a ball and chain those lies have been and they weren't bringing me joy at all, you know? So e- even the, the, the blade of God's word kind of cutting yeah. in is yeah. like, oh, finally, maybe like lancing a wound or something, you know what I mean? Like, oh, I'm glad to get that. Yeah, poison out of there you know so right I think
0: I think my encouragement would be it's not just I used to think I you know shouldn't wear a mask and I read my bible and now I know I should or I or or the opposite you know I yeah yeah, I thought I should and now I know I read my devotions and now I know I shouldn't or I should put up that sign or I shouldn't I think the way that it corrects us and guides us is it transforms who we are yeah, and and so I I guess I would love for you to pray for us and just yeah. that God would help us to, um, yeah, that His Word would dwell in us richly, transform us, and help us to become, you know, the kind of people. No, them. I'm
1: glad yeah. to. I I think just the only other thought that I had, and then I'll I'll pray for us is just. So I went to uh, my physical yet yeah, uh, two days ago. Yeah, two days ago. Anyway, and then they do the blood draw and they, you know, and uh, so then the nurse called me yesterday and it's no big deal, but my my cholesterol is up a little bit or whatever. Well, here's why I bring that up is uh, one, to hold myself accountable to do something about that Now on <laughs> the World Wide Web. Um, but actually, here's what I realized. There is stuff going on inside my body that had I just not gone to a doctor, not gotten a blood draw, whatever, would still be going on and be damaging. But it would be so under the surface that I would be carrying on as if I'm healthy when I'm not. Uh, and it's not that, again, this is minor. I don't want to swap notes with anybody who's got a really serious medical condition. Mine is not. Mine's easily remedied. But, but I'm just saying that's where we've got to flee to the word is because We've got thoughts and emotions and feeling, just all sorts of stuff on the inside of our soul that's unhealthy. It's actually poisonous. but we don't know that. It's not so clear to us and nobody else seems to be pointing it out and so we just keep festering in that stuff. The Bible is almost like those blood tests or that physician who's able to say, no, actually, I know you think you're healthy. Like, hey Timothy Keller right now, you know with pancreatic cancer. Um, no symptoms zero symptoms he went in and it was you know so though a, a very deadly thing that would have taken his life and may still i don't I, I don't know um but that's what the bible does is it reveals what's actually going on and then we find healing then yeah. we can find a way to, to to be released from that you know so anyway so it takes oh, us it,
0: it takes us right to the cross
1: dude
0: it takes us right to Jesus and we see, wow, because all the great things we were talking about, about patience and discretion. And I mean, you and I very well could have, we probably could have more easily spent the last hour talking about all our fails and the way that we, we mostly talked about how we are those things, but uh, (laughs) here we go. I think it does, it does like just bring us right to Jesus. And Uh, so-
1: Yeah, I'd be glad to do that too. Yeah, Jesus, thank you for just in an ongoing way forgiving us. Um it's not just that you forgave me back when I was a freshman in college and and cried out to you for salvation. Um you are in an ongoing way forgiving me moment by moment, day by day. And so even when you reveal to me stuff that's going on in my heart and soul that I didn't even know was lurking around in there. I lift my gaze to you and I find a posture of forgiveness, a posture of of looking at me with pleasure and acceptance and joy that is so undeserved in those moments and yet is so free coming from you toward me. And so, uh, Jesus, thank you for being that kind of creator, God, savior, Lord, and master, Um, we want to serve you all of our days because of, of who you are. And we're so grateful. So use your word, Lord, to continue to change us, challenge us, comfort us, give us wisdom and especially Lord Jesus to always take us back to the cross, back to the resurrection where our, our hope is truly anchored, that supernatural power to live a new kind of life that's, that's what we're depending on Lord. And that's what you offer us so freely. So thanks for moments like this to be reminded again. And we lift all this up to you in your incredible name. Amen.
0: Amen. Amen. Well, uh, if you've been joining us for the last hour, I hope you've been encouraged. And I just want to leave you with a, a blessing from Romans 15. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy spirit. So, all right, have a great day guys. We'll see you.